0: Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I thought I would do my story part two. I invited the better half, my beautiful wife Karen, into the Beach Shack to continue the story from where we left off. From the time we met, we both went through previous relationships were quite tough and then into our relationship and how we worked together and supported each other to get a positive outcome. Now sit back and listen to my story, part two. At the end of part one of my story, I mentioned that my wife, Karen, played a massive part in getting me back on my feet. So I thought I'd pick up where the story left off and welcome the beautiful wife into the beach shack, Karen. (laughs) Hi, Hop. Now... To start off, we we did cross paths before we actually met and started our relationship. So maybe you can give a little bit of an insight on that situation.
1: We did. We had a mutual friend that was working with you and some of the lifeguards who was a very good friend of mine. And he had tried a couple of times to, (laughs) to introduce us, but our lives had taken us in different directions. And I was over in Los Angeles for a while there. And when I came back, it was Steve's 40th birthday, and he had decided to also invite you along, unbeknown to me that his plan was to introduce us. However, you kind of uh, rocked the card on that one because you turned up with another date.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As as I do, but anyway. uh... (laughs) So what are you saying? I didn't show any interest?
1: (laughs) Well, you did actually get rid of said date and then (laughs) make a beeline for me, but I'd had a few too many champagnes at that point and took off home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I can't remember how I got home. But anyway, (laughs) we did do – I know from that that time and and you said you went to LA and and we had our own lives and we probably never thought much of it after that birthday party. But then I did see you pop up on Facebook and I thought, oh well, I'll – might give it another crack and, and message you.
1: <laughs> yes, you did. And we had quite a, a fun banter conversation going back and forth and yeah. I kind of thought, oh, you yeah, know, this could be quite interesting. And then I got a phone call from Steve, furious. <laughs> the conversation which which for, people,
0: for people that don't know <laughs> is my current manager at the time.
1: <laughs> Steve realised that the conversation wasn't private, it was up on the wall for everyone to read (laughs) and was mortified
0: (laughs) and as everyone knows my technical skills uh, are not quite good
1: no so anyway the conversation then went to messenger and we decided that we might actually meet up on a date and and head out for a drink in Manly so I got you over to the dark side
0: (laughs) yeah and I was uh bantering to you about the dark side, uh, man. They always called the northern beaches the dark side. The eastern suburbs was where it all was happening. But uh, I decided, yeah, I'll come over and meet you. But the problem was, as I remember, I was working that day and I had to, and I still didn't have my driver's license at that point, so I had to ride my push bike from work home to mum's place, get changed. <laughs> I had to walk up the road, get on the bus to Bondi Junction then I had to get the train from Bondi Junction to Martin Place. And then I had to walk, it was probably from Martin Place to Circular Quay to get the ferry, which is probably about five or six blocks. Then I'm on the ferry on my way over and I'm thinking, oh, geez, I wonder how this is going to go. And suddenly on the ferry, people recognised me that were tourists. Now, suddenly there's 20 people talking to me and they were asking me about the site. So I'm telling them as we're going past That's Taronga Zoo over there and all these different, Watson's Bay, and you know, we're going to Manly. And anyway, uh, we arrived at Manly and you can probably take it from there. Yes,
1: I was standing at the wharf waiting to meet you and decide where we were going to go for a drink. And as you walked off, you were followed by about 30 Japanese tourists that came as an entourage. <laughs> To our date,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we did decide to go to uh, Manly Wharf Bar, but I think you thought I set all that up at the time.
1: <laughs> I wasn't sure.
0: <laughs> well, it didn't. It didn't end there because we did go to Manly Wharf Bar, sat down to have a couple of drinks, and then uh, what happened then? <laughs> we got introduced well, to a it's guy.
1: A- Yes. Well, actually, I think before that, there was a busload of uni students that pulled up and they got off the bus and inevitably came into the bar. And of course, one thing after another, um, they soon recognized you from Bondi Rescue and it began. All the photos (laughs) and the selfies. And I just took myself off to the bar because it's not... (laughs) I guess I'm familiar for me with with the work that I do when I see celebrities get bailed up like that and I just thought I'd leave you to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you did. You walked off the bar and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, that's it. She's gone. She's telling me she's gone to the bar, but she's probably walked off off home because she only lived up at Manly at the time. And when uh, I got away from them, I went to the bar. You were still there. So that was uh, quite surprising to me. And then we uh, went... Back outside where we were originally, but then we ran into a guy that was a yodeler.
1: We did. <laughs> and he yodeled.
0: <laughs> For about an hour. <laughs> so our first date wasn't going real great. And the other thing is he had these old dodgy sunglasses and I had my sunglasses. He said, oh, I'm out of here now. So he ended up grabbing my sunglasses and left his sunglasses. So I even lost a pair of sunglasses. You did. <laughs> Along uh, with your dignity. Yeah, my dignity. And then later on we went into the uh, inside and we ran into a football team and then we are <laughs> part of the football team. <laughs> and at the end of that night I thought, uh, well, there's no way that, you know, you're going to uh, see me again. I thought that would be it.
1: <laughs> well, it was definitely an adventure. It's, that's for sure.
0: Anyway, so when I – Thought about it the next couple of days. I think I text the next day and then uh, said uh, maybe we should do a second date. And you actually said yes. And I said, but I've got a surprise for you. I'm going to do something special. And I don't think you knew it was. But I thought, well, this time I need to impress her. So I decided to paddle my ocean ski from Rose Bay. And at the <laughs> time, you're living at Little Manly. And I said, now in 40 minutes, just look out on your balcony. And didn't tell you what I was doing. So I put my backpack on, ready to come over, and then I paddled over. 40 minutes later, what did you see?
1: I saw you on your ski coming past the front of my house (laughs) with your backpack, which I think was a bit presumptuous (laughs) that you were going to stay. (laughs) And I thought, I don't know how the hell he's going to get that ski up the hill. (laughs)
0: Well, well, that was another issue because... I thought if I paddle past with my backpack, she'll get the hint that maybe thinks he's staying. And then I had the luck with this heavy backpack and the ski up the hill around the corner to get to your place. hmm <laughs> But you were very happy, though.
1: I was. It was, it was a very nice gesture.
0: <laughs> so I suppose that sort of started our journey together, but I think getting through all that though you had an understanding on probably what I'd been through and and what you'd been through so you probably gave me or gave me a bit of slack in that time
1: yeah look I think when anyone comes out of a, a, a rough situation regardless of, of what the circumstances are and I think we both had experienced relationships that we, in <laughs> hindsight we probably wish we hadn't but I think that we did recognise that in each other and, and we allowed each other to go through the motions of learning how to trust again and, and being supportive of the other person and also just knowing that deep down I knew where you had been and you knew where I had been, so there was no way we were going to do that to the other person. So I think that whilst there was some some hiccups and, <laughs> in the beginning, <laughs> It probably made us stronger in in the long run and our foundation was was rock solid. So,
0: yeah. And the other thing too, I actually, after we were sort of together for probably four to six weeks, I I herniated the disc in my back. (laughs) And so you just thought I was this old croc that kept breaking down and had all these massive issues, which you probably (laughs) went far from the truth. But that was another thing that really depressed me because I was coming out of everything I was talking about in um, my story, the part one. And then this happened as well. I mean, you came along, which was great, helped me through. And I had this big race I planned on in Hong Kong. And there was a point where I thought I'm not going to be able to do it. And I remember you were driving me back and forward to work and I, I couldn't even get out of the car. I was lying in the back seat. My pain down my right leg from the nerve damage was absolutely horrific
1: it was it was pretty brutal to see someone in so much pain yet be so determined to achieve a goal because it was something that you had set your sights on from the beginning and that's the the motivation that you had to get back into training and get back on the ski and you wouldn't contemplate the fact that you had a major issue a major injury that was really going to prohibit you from you know probably racing to the best of your ability number one but could have done a lot more serious damage to yourself as well so while i was happy to be the the uber driver um, <laughs> i was really genuinely concerned that you were you know not making the best choices for for your body
0: i think i was in a mental state that if I don't do this, I was worried that I'd fall back off into that depressed state because it would be another failure. Um, and I'd, I'd had a lot of failures over the last previous 12 to 18 months. So I thought if I really need to keep doing this and um, I trained for another eight weeks, I think into that race. And i never forget the um, the flight over to Hong Kong was horrific. This back, if anyone's ever had, disc issues with nerve pain going down their leg. Um, I was just putting that many painkillers in and and it probably was stupid to do the race, but I just think for my own mental health, it was something that I had to do. And I probably even came to the conclusion that I'll just have to have a, an operation when I get back after it, I ended up going to the race, doing the race. And it did sort of make me have that turning point. Uh, I remember once I finished this, the the feeling I got, even though I was in massive pain, was I've actually succeeded. I've got over that hurdle, and then from there I knew that I was then coming back to you as well. So it was all starting to to come good. Yeah, it did. Another part that I want to touch on, which was quite traumatic for us. Plus, it's traumatic for a lot of people out there with uh, that go through miscarriages. Now. We were unfortunate, and we, we were getting back on our feet. And uh, I got over my injury, and we ended up moving in together uh, over the eastern suburbs. at Wallara uh, was our first place we moved to, and everything was looking on the up. And then uh, we found that you had fallen pregnant, and you know we were quite excited about that. And then uh, obviously uh, things didn't go a hundred percent.
1: No, they didn't. And I, I think it's important to to talk about not only the, the miscarriage factor, but when I fell pregnant, I was older. I was, was 40, 41. And, you know, I had spent the last couple of years probably prior to meeting you coming to the, the realization that I probably wasn't going to have children. And people would always ask, you know, why don't you have kids? And It was always a difficult question to to answer because I always wanted them. And I remember reading an article, and and to summarize it, the the journalist had written about this exact topic and had ended the article by saying that it wasn't a choice not to have kids, it was a circumstance. And that's very much how I felt. And then when I met you and and our relationship was in a really great place and, and we were looking at a future together, we talked about the chance of maybe falling pregnant and decided to to give it a go and I knew what the the risks were and that the what the chances were was you know 50 50 and we said well we'll we'll just see and we made that decision to go down the natural path opposed to IVF and, and going through that so I was lucky in a way that we fell pregnant really quickly and it was a big shock (laughs) because it was very quick and you have so much anticipation and hope and want and dreams and every part of it was as you imagine it to be until we got to that first scan and we knew it was pretty early on but I guess nothing really prepared me for those words and when you hear a nurse you're struggling to say something and she can't identify a heartbeat you know something's wrong and they were beautiful people and they really tried to you know give us some hope that maybe it was just too early for for the first scan and that we should you know wait a week and come back it was the longest week of my life and you know, you go through all the emotions of what if. Um, we tried to stay positive and and hopeful, but inevitably, at the second scan, there had been no growth, and there still was no heartbeat. So, we were given the news that we'd sadly lost lost the baby. So, it was um, pretty confronting, and it really it really knocked me around emotionally. It was probably impacted by. A, the fact that when we saw another doctor that was meant to be performing the the D&C procedure, when she looked at the scan, she took it upon herself to reread the scan and say that she didn't believe that we had lost the baby and that there was a sign of life, in her opinion. She overrode her senior doctor, who was actually in the clinic that day to educate people on how to read scans better so that was a massive slap in the face because we knew we'd lost the baby and I think you'll remember like you sat there I've never seen you so angry I thought you were going to lean across the desk and absolutely strangle this woman Um, but she made the decision and she made us feel like we were you know in essence asking for an abortion which absolutely wasn't the case and I We'll never forget that feeling. It was one of the worst times in my life and we had to wait. We were sent away and told that we had to wait and have another scan, which of course showed the same thing as the first and second scan did. But we were so lucky that we at that time had also met our obstetrician, Rob Bust, who was one of the most beautiful people I've ever met and one of the most kind and caring um, doctors that really took me under his wing to make sure that I was looked after and helped through what then had to happen with the procedure and everything else. So yeah, good things came out of a bad situation, but yeah, that certainly didn't, didn't help.
0: And what I found was like watching you in that pain and so upset, you're getting that news, the way it was presented to us, you know, wasn't done in the, in the best way. And, but from my point of view, I felt it emotionally, and I don't know about any guys out there on how they felt, but I felt helpless on, on how to help you because I hadn't had any experience in this before. This was the first time it ever happened to me. But you were going through it physically and emotionally where the guy doesn't feel the physical side of things.
1: Yeah, it's, it is a, a physical situation, obviously, for, for the woman as well as emotional And there's a lot of other elements that you go through and it brings on anxiety and and depression and I felt very alone and and I know that you had wanted to be there for me, but it was almost something that I was so internal with, I didn't know how to let you in with it either. It was heartbreaking. Uh, I couldn't speak to many people about it at all and I found I really shut myself away and just yeah I had great girlfriends that you yeah, rallied around and, and supported me as best they could but I still I, I think one of the the only places I really found any kind of peace was around my horses and my dog and just to be in you know my own world and my own space to to deal with it
0: that's a difficult situation because I remember coming home from work sometimes and, and you'd be like just glazing out and sort of like not looking at anything in particular and I'd come in and say you know how I am and like what happened at work today and things like that but you sort of were a little bit like a different person at the time and you were obviously in a lot of pain and hurt.
1: Absolutely and I think you know you you pull yes you, you pull it together to get through work and to get through life and to do what you need to do but you're not necessarily emotionally all there. And I I, I certainly wasn't. And I think the you know, the hard part for us was that Rob was so great and was so encouraging of saying, well, look, you know, you fell pregnant so quickly, keep trying, you'll get there. And, you know, there was so much support and encouragement that it was a really hard decision to to put myself at risk like that again. Um, But we chose to give it another go. And again, we, you know we fell pregnant really quickly, and the first scan, as terrified as I was to go in there, was positive. Um, there was a heartbeat, and we were so excited to think you know this was this was the one, this is it. We were on the track to um, have a have a child and then of course, two weeks later, there was no more heartbeat and to go through it twice, back to back, was was pretty devastating. And, you know, I know there's many women out there that have gone through one, two, three more. I knew at my age that it was playing a part. And I think, you know, having got my hopes up after being in a position where i had accepted that I probably wasn't going to have children to then going back and opening myself up to the option that perhaps we could so then another disappointment was was really brutal and you know again rob was still encouraging us to try again for a third and you know i remember we talked about it and i just said i just i just can't put myself through this again and even though we we stayed fairly open minded we then didn't fall pregnant again yeah you know, my body had been through so much between two pregnancies and and two procedures and it just yeah It just wasn't meant to be
0: and the other thing is too the procedures that the guys don't go through you know and and it it was killing me i think the second one was probably the one that really hurt me a bit more because there as you said there was a, a heartbeat and it looked like everything was going to be good this time and then when you get the news it's not it's you know and i've had two kids to previous relationships but to see you and then how you wanted to have kids and, and be right in there, you would be a great mother. And it's something that really broke my heart as well. And, and it's hard to try and console someone and know the words to say. And sometimes I remember saying words that I'm thinking is gonna help, but didn't. It actually upset you at the time.
1: Look, I think it's in hindsight, you know, you, you did your best in the situation. You know, it was something we had both wanted. And even though it was me that went through the physicality of it, it, it was our dream. It was it was our goal and what we'd wanted together. But I look at it now and think, you know, a mum comes in many different forms. You know, I'm, we've got dogs that <laughs> we're parents to. We've got horses. Yeah, I've got a beautiful goddaughter in England. I have amazing friends with kids that are a big part of my life and my my nieces and their kids. And, yeah, I look at the positives and think, oh, well, you know, it wasn't meant to be for us, but at least we have these amazing relationships and, and that's what's important.
0: And the other thing I noticed too was it's something that uh, happens in many people's lives and it's just a, a way we need to uh, keep moving forward, which... We did, I thought, uh, okay, what can we do now? And uh, I remember we're going over uh, to Cuba, LA and Cuba. So I came up with this brilliant idea. I thought, oh, well, I I might propose to Karen over in Cuba. So I've gone off and and got the ring and I'm thinking, you know, I hope I picked the right one. I've got pretty much no idea, had a little bit of an idea what you liked. Anyway, so off we go. And I made sure I asked the guy, can we get into Cuba with the ring? Because I'm thinking we're going to get pulled up through the scanning as, as we go through customs. And anyway, I've tucked it away in my bag, had it all planned, and off we went to uh, to LA and then into Cuba.
1: Yes, we did. We had <laughs> this luggage that had the most ridiculous lock on it. <laughs> and I was like looking at the bag thinking, did he just forget to go and get a travel lock and steal the one off his work locker? Because this thing is ridiculous. <laughs> and I had no idea what was in the bag. <laughs> I just remember seeing this this padlock. Like, <laughs> Why does someone need this kind of padlock on a travel bag? But anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to think I was a bit of a tight ass. But um, <laughs> yeah, I had this key and I'd hide the key and then I'd, I'd have this lock. Because we went to the... Um, the first part we went into Cuba, and we were there for about a week before we were going down to um, Varadero. That's right, Havana, and, and, that's right, Havana. We we're in. So I thought, oh, well, I'll wait till we go down to this resort and the nice beach, and I'll propose down there. So I had to get through another week. So hiding this ring, and I couldn't put it in the safe because you'd see it. So I'm worried about people coming in. but are in this little apartment. I'm thinking, oh, someone's going to steal it. And anyway, not knowing They probably just pick the bag up and take it anyway. But yeah, so we went down to Varadero and, and I thought, right, I, I'm going to do it. I waited to see a, a, a night or two to see what was all got the feel of the, the resort. And I thought, right, I'm going to do it tonight. Sunset, perfect day. <laughs> it was going to be a perfect sunset. Knowing Karen, she's, uh runs her PR company, so she's always early, never late, always on time. So I thought, you beauty. So she booked the dinner. So I go, right, so I've got about an hour before dinner, so I thought – let's go down and uh, have some drinks, knowing that the sunset will be right there anyway. So she's running about half an hour late. I'm trying to get her going to get down for drinks. And we finally go down. We get down. I said, right, on, I'm getting all nervous and anxious and starting to sweat it and everything. And then she looks at her, her phone and goes, oh, the, the reservation for dinner, it's, it's 7 o'clock. Uh, I thought it was at 7.30. So what happens? It's seven o'clock now. So then that threw my whole plan. We're off to dinner. So then I've got this ring box in my pocket. So I had to stay on the opposite side so she couldn't feel the ring. Do you remember that?
1: Yes. <laughs> I thought it were just being weird.
0: <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, what I'll do is I'll just do it tomorrow night because it's always it's good weather. I'll just do it tomorrow night. I'll just have to I'll have to bolt back upstairs and put the ring up anyway. I couldn't get away, then the night went on, so we went up top and there was this um, display on, wasn't there?
1: It was a party. There was a, a white party in the in the hotel. It was a fairly new resort and they were launching the different bars and clubs within the hotel and everything was white. It was the DJ and the dancers and then there were all these add-on elements of acrobats and people on stilts and then out came this fashion show
0: (laughs) and the fashion show was wedding gowns (laughs) and I couldn't believe it
1: (laughs) 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 so I remember sitting there and we were a few drinks down at this point and there's all these and it was Beach wedding wear, it wasn't like formal gowns, there were these really awesome dresses. And Hop decides that you know, his words of choice are, What would you wear? Oh, I wear to what?
0: <laughs> oh, I was in all sorts, I was out of my depth. I, I, my plan had gone out the window, now I'm, I'm just winging, winging it, <laughs> thinking this is a sign not knowing this could totally go pear-shaped
1: well, then what happened
0: <laughs> well then I tried to propose I uh, went went to go down on one knee off the lounge and slipped so I'm sort of half on the lounge half on my knee and then trying to get the box out of my um, out of my pants it um, got stuck so I couldn't get that out so <laughs> it just was it just went pear-shaped I finally got it got it. Out and then I proposed to you. Then, and <laughs> what did you say? I
1: said yes before you opened the box because I thought you'd done your back again and weren't going to be able to get back up again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I well, didn't even have to bring this damn ring all this way. I could have shown you the box. <laughs> so it all worked out well in the end. It was a it was a good night. You said yes. We had a few more drinks, and uh, <laughs> it made it uh, made the trip even uh, that bit better.
1: Yeah, it was very special.
0: Now, then we were planning on the wedding, but we got struck by uh, COVID. So we had it all planned. And we had to cancel.
1: We did. (laughs) We did. We had to cancel from the original April 9 date, which was disappointing, not only obviously because we couldn't have the family and friends that we wanted to have there, but it meant my UK family in particular weren't going to be able to come over and we didn't know when that was going to change. So we decided that we'd um, do a small event and and get married with our family and, and closest friends and look to have a party once COVID was over, which we're still looking to have that party <laughs> at some point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, nearly two years later. <laughs> no, but it, it turned out a, a great day and we ended up getting married. But the, I suppose we've come through so much together in that period. And it's probably coming up to about six years we've been together now and coming up for two years of uh, marriage. And I think those rough times looking back, I think really helped us. And I think we understand each other so much more if, if all those things didn't happen.
1: Absolutely, I, I think that um, yeah, the the tough times make you stronger, and the the miscarriages certainly brought us closer together. And yeah, we've we've had some amazing, fun, great times where we've travelled and we've gone all around the world, and we've had an absolute ball. And then yeah, you have the harsh reality of of life as well, and. That's, yeah, that's marriage, you, you find a way to, to make it through together and I, I think we're stronger now than we've, we've ever been. I don't, I don't think there's much that will yeah, come between us.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, a good point to keep working together because everybody's going to have tough times you know, in their life and if it's during your marriage and you need to support each other and it's something that can really help when, when you've got a supportive person that understands what you're going through.
1: Absolutely. And you know, going back to, to where we started, I think one of the things that always resonated well with us was we never got bogged down in the what had happened to us conversation. We never allowed ourselves to wallow in self-pity. It was, yep, that happened. Yep, it was shit. <laughs> but hey, we're here and we would, probably wouldn't have met if it hadn't have happened. And everything was about looking forward and, and being positive and Finding laughter in in almost every situation, you know, I think that's the one thing that has been the thread through our relationship is the the banter that we've had right from the get go, and it keeps it lighthearted. Yes, we argue. Yes, we have massive fights, especially when you don't pack the dishwasher properly. <laughs> and, <laughs> but we we always laugh, and and we we never you know let it. Boil over, like even if we're still really mad at each other, we'll end up giggling and getting over it <laughs> before it becomes a bigger issue.
0: Yeah, we do um, we do banter a lot, and I think it does help. I mean, I probably I probably push the uh, the envelope, uh, envelope <laughs> a little bit too far at times, but but your point with the dishwasher, I want to bring that one up <laughs> because I reckon every guy <laughs> out there has had problems with this now. I would pack – well, no, I'd start with just leaving it on the bench ready to go in the dishwasher.
1: Let's just start there. You leave it on the bench when there's a dishwasher, but you don't put it in the dishwasher for days.
0: So then I do listen to my beautiful wife and I put – I packed the dishwasher this time and I got in trouble because the one away I packed it and two, it wasn't full. (laughs) So I've done what I was told, which every single thing that was on the bench that needed to be washed was in the dishwasher and was getting washed, but it wasn't any good because it wasn't full. (laughs) But if I left it on the bench, which that's what I was doing, leave it on the bench until i got enough to fill the whole dishwasher, (laughs) I bet you every guy has the same problem. (laughs) I don't know. Well where am I in the in the pecking order, right? Oh, I think I'm the boss in this house, right? There's you, there's Cuba the the dog and Bronte the dog. Where 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 do I sit? Well,
1: there's Jimmy as well, the horse. Oh, G- Jimmy's
0: dog. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm oh. last. Mm, yeah. And what?
1: <laughs> you did say that in in our wedding vows. <laughs>
0: Yes, I did. I regret that comment now.
1: It's it's on record. Yeah,
0: I know. It's it's yeah. no hope. Well, the the way it looks now, Cuba, he he's the king of the house because he gets whatever he wants. <laughs> I reckon you come second, right, and then probably Jimmy the horse, then Bronte, and then I'm bringing up the rear at the end.
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably pretty much right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always good to be last on the pecking order <laughs> well you know what because now that uh, you've put me on last on the pecking order we come to the segment five fun facts so i'm gonna rip these you to see uh how you go with these
1: all right you ready i suppose
0: okay your favorite takeaway food italian dogs or cats why
1: There's Charlie as well. I like both, but if I had to choose, probably dogs. They're more interactive and and probably more affectionate.
0: What are you most proud of? Our marriage. Oh, that's good. So I'll be around for a bit longer.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) I think three wives is enough for anyone, isn't it?
0: Oh, help me. (laughs) Last time you cried.
1: Last week, I um, had to help a friend who was or who sadly had to put their cat to sleep, and I had to, to help him through the the process and it brought up a lot of memories about Kobe so yeah uh,
0: now you can ask me anything who's the boss? well, I'm the boss
1: <laughs> I don't think so
0: <laughs> well i'm controlling the microphone here, and i'm controlling. The editor, too. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm looking at what you've got there, and you've got on on your link, it's got you're the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Karen, it's been great having you in the Beach Shack, and I hope people get a lot out of it. That we all have our ups and downs, whether you're uh, in your own life or whether you're married or you've got, yeah girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it is, we're all in the same boat and it's just the way you get knocked down and then the way you get back up again and the way you handle yourself and I think the way you handle yourself is is amazing for what you've been through and that's helped me. I've, I've been able to look at that and try to mirror what you do to try and get through my tough times and the demons that you go through as well.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Now let's go to Beach Banter. Yeah, this week in the Beach Shack for Beach Banter, we've got Wally. How are you, mate? Good, Hop. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Just for uh, listeners that don't know, Wally works as a lifeguard with us down at Bondi, and uh, he's jumped into the Beach Shack because he's got some good stories. I thought we'd start off with a lifeguard story. and, and Is there one that stands out, a rescue you've done over the years, uh, being a lifeguard, uh, a rescue. Oh, geez,
2: it's it's been a bit quiet through COVID, but uh, a few years back, I'd I'd say there was one down at Bronny there that I, I won't forget anytime soon. It was a it was an early morning in winter. I started there with Reedy, and as soon as we got there, we we literally just opened up the door uh, early morning, and we just heard this screaming coming from down at the bogey hole. It was quite a, a quite a large morning for the swell. We had all plans on closing the beach, so we knew that someone was in a bit of trouble pretty quickly. So we, we looked out the door, and there was this lady getting swept out of the uh, the bogey hole there, Bronnie. I don't know if you know, oh, well, to the listeners, I know you do, hot, but there was a little there's a little bogey hole area. It's, it's usually quite calm for people to swim in, but that that morning the swell was was so rough and just large that it, it literally just swept straight through the bogey hole and and caught her off guard and swept her out into the uh, the main part of the beach there at Bronte. So she was caught unaware. She, she started screaming out. And uh, one of the uh, the PTs that's down there every morning, Troy, he, he quickly ran down to, to see if he could help. And he's a surfer himself. There's, there's no conditions that are too big for Troy. So he jumped in the water straight away. I, I grabbed the tube that was hanging on the back of the door there that we just opened. And we, we ran down and, yeah, I mean, Troy jumped in. We got out there, got the tube around her. And uh, yeah, I, I looked back at the beach and sure enough, Harry's, he always pops up. Harry's was doing a Pilates class up in the surf club there and he had grabbed a board and it started to come out. So we, we got the, the, the lady onto the board and got her back to the beach and it was all, all a happy ending. But yeah, it could have been quite bad if it was another five minutes earlier or 10 minutes earlier, you know? So that was probably one that was, um, yeah, at the top of my my memory, for sure.
0: So when um you got it back to shore, did she say how quick something like that can happen? Because a lot of people always say, "Oh, why didn't they do this and that and stay yeah. close to the shore?" But you know it happens so quick, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, it happens. You're like you don't even realise it's happened. It's it's especially like there, Bronny. It's it's not consistent swell and stuff there. So I don't think she'd even seen a set come through and wash out through the bogey hole. She thought she she was going to be fine and. It was too late once she was in the water and she was having a little swim and then a set came through and then all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, it all happens very quick and she was she was out in the bad part really quick. So, yeah, I, I don't know how you can prepare yourself for that. Sometimes those things just happen and, uh yeah, you just got to cross your fingers that someone's there to give you a hand and, yeah, it's a lucky morning. We just rocked up.
0: I know a lot, a lot of the locals at Bronte as I've grown up down there and also Bondi, they, they come down – and do the same swim every day and as you said most of the time probably don't even look at the conditions i remember once they were cleaning the pool they used to leave the gates open years ago a guy came in lined up at the other end where the pump is dived in and then hit the concrete at the bottom because there was no water in the pool was just so used to doing it didn't even look at the water was in the pool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: I haven't I haven't heard of that one, but that's I can definitely see that happening down there. There's a lot of people caught in their uh in their routine down at bronie' So um, yeah, I haven't heard of that one. That's
0: that's a good one. But <laughs> uh. did she uh was she thankful at the end? Did she realise the mistakes? She think she'd make that same mistake again? No, she was very
2: thankful. I think next time she goes down when the, the swell's up like that, I think she'll she'll have a look at it. For a little bit longer and see if there are any of those sets coming through and washing through the bogey hole. I mean, it only takes five, ten minutes to just assess what's actually going on down there. I mean, it's, it's, it's. Um, we're all guilty of it, just running down and having a quick swim and heading off. But yeah, I think on those days you need to take a little bit more time to assess the conditions and yeah, make sure it's completely safe to go for a swim, even if you do it every day.
0: Yeah. You know, I find that the experience of of being in a situation like that does help people because a lot of people if you've never experienced it you don't really know how you're going to react or or traumatise mm. from it and I think that's a, a good lesson for everybody to learn
2: yeah for sure I mean yeah the most important thing it's so hard to do is, but, is to try and remain calm and just focus on your breathing and just make sure that's staying normal as as normal as possible but yeah that's, that's the hardest thing to, to keep under control is just not panicking and relaxing but yeah you can only do as do your best, I'd say.
0: <laughs> well, well, mate, it's uh, great having you in the Beach check, mate. We'll have to uh, – we'll catch up soon and get you back in. Yeah, for sure. Huh? Cheers. Now it's time to have a listen to the fans in the mailbag. So this week's letter from the mailbag is from Trevor, and he's from Adelaide. He says uh, – Hoppo, when will you be coming back to Adelaide and going out to Port Lincoln and doing another shark dive? Well, Trevor, uh, COVID sort of held us up over the last couple of years, but no plans at the moment. But I would love to get a group together again and head out and do the shark dive there at Port Lincoln. It's uh, Calypso, uh, great people to uh, go out with. The day is just amazing from start to finish and – it's quite uh, exciting and it's also uh, quite safe there in the cage. But, uh, mate, anyone out there that wants to go and do the shark dive, uh, we can put a group together. I'm happy to uh, go and host that and, and give everybody an experience that you will never, ever forget. So thanks, Trevor, mate, for uh, sending in that letter. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's A Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments or follow us on our social media channels which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flag.